chapter 4, I know we've been here several, several weeks and working our way through the book of John. It seems like we've kind of, I don't like the word bogged, I don't know a better word, but bogged down here in this particular story. But every time I go back to it, there's just something more in there. And every time I go to look over it and I go, I'm going to read past it and see kind of where we're going next, I just get hung up here. And uh, it's no coincidence where we're at today. Uh, and we're going to backtrack a little bit, but I want to start reading in verse number 7. And then uh, we'll pray and then we'll try to bring the message God from my heart. We won't be long. But if you're in your Bible, John chapter 4, verse number 7, the Bible says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. And she knew that was true. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for the good uh, spirit of God that's here this morning. Thank you for uh, just church. Thank you for old-fashioned church. Thank you for this place that we get to meet in. But thank you most of all for these people uh, that uh, we get to meet with. But more than any of that, thank you for the person that meets with us. Thank you for the Spirit of God that meets with us when we gather in His name. Father, I pray for the reading of Your Word to go forth and do what only it can do. I pray you'd help me preach with power and unction of the Holy Spirit of God this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. <coughs> amen and amen. We've been here uh, several weeks now in this very story, so I'm not going to keep telling the story. It's a very familiar story in John chapter 4. But we find a woman here coming to a well, and she's seeking water, right? Physically, she's seeking water. Her water pot is empty, and she is thirsty, and she is seeking natural water. But what Jesus knows about her is there is a longing in her soul uh, that is beyond the natural, that she is longing for something spiritual. She is longing for something emotional. She is longing for something uh, mental. I mean, she's got a social problem, a mental problem, an emotional problem, a spiritual problem. And we learn from her past relationship that she had tried a lot of things to fill that void. She had had a lot of relationships that could not fill that void. No doubt she tried even substance and other things to fill that void. And every time she came back up, 
more empty and more empty. Last week we said, you know, when we think about empty, you think you can't get no more empty than empty. But every time she went after the things of this world, she came back more empty than where she left. She came out more dry than she was before, more thirsty than she was before. And she tried to fill her water pot with the waters of this world. But you know what she found out? She found out that the waters of this world left her dissatisfied. Every time she took a drink of that water of the world, she did not get the satisfaction that she needed. Oh, she may have had a good time in the moment, but as soon as the moment was over, she was thirsty again. She was dry again. She was not satisfied no more than she was when she sought that water of the world. Not only did she find herself dissatisfied, but she found herself disappointed. She was disappointed in herself for letting her get getting herself down to that level again. She was disappointed in those that she sought the water from. She was disappointed in five husbands, and no doubt she was disappointed in the one she was living with now. She found herself disappointed in religion. She tried to fill her water pot with religion. She said, our fathers worship. She didn't say she worshiped, but she said, our fathers worship in this mountain. I believe she walked into those temples that Samaria had built, and she found emptiness, and she found dryness, and she found no satisfaction, and she found disappointment. She could not find hope in religion. And she could not find hope in the temple. She could not find hope in the priest that the Samaritans had set up. She was dissatisfied. She was disappointed. And I tell you this, she was dehydrated. All of that well, the waters of this world, it sucked the life out of her. I don't know what she was before, but I imagine at one time she was probably a vibrant young lady. At one time she probably had a lot of life to her. She may have been the life of the social gatherings. There may have been a time where she had a smile on her face and a glow about her where she was happy and she was content and she thought she could take on the world. But Broken relationship after broken relationship. Coming up empty every time over and over again. It was sucking the life out of her. It was sucking the joy out of her. It was sucking Can you remember when you were searching for something to fill the void in your life and you were trying the wells of this world. You were trying the waters of this world and every time you thought it was a good time but it just sucked the life out of you. Hey, some of you maybe this morning and that you ain't got no joy you don't have no peace you don't have any long suffering you don't have any of those things that the fruit of the spirit give you because you've let the life be sucked out of you by the wells of this world by the dredges of this world by the cesspots of this world you've been drinking from stagnant waters you've been drinking from diluted waters you've been drinking from pots with death in it oh and it's dehydrating you it is pulling the life out of you this morning. That is where she is when she comes to this well. But I'll tell you this, in all of that, this woman was a spiritual outcast 
a social outcast. Uh, she was uh, culturally unaccepted by, uh, by Jesus' crowd, the Jews. Uh, he was, she was uh, socially unaccepted by any re- righteous or religious person. Uh, she had all these things against her. But I am so glad that Jesus came to where she was. I'm glad that Jesus sought her out. I don't want to forget that verse number 4 tells us he must needs go through Samaritan. And if I can say it one more time, he didn't have to go that way. He could have went another way to get where he was going. But he had a specific direction he was headed. He wanted to go to a specific well at a specific time. Thank God for a specific woman. I'm glad for the day that Jesus came by the well I was sitting at. He had a specific person coming down to 2021st Avenue, Rockmark, Georgia because there was a specific boy that needed some water. Oh, my friend, thank God that he makes those kind of calls. Thank God he comes looking. Thank God he came seeking. Oh, my friend, the world may cast him out. The world may throw you out. Hey, the church may throw you out. But thank God Jesus will come looking for you and come seeking you just like he did this woman. He made that specific trip to that specific well for a specific purpose. Thank God. And he offered her water that could satisfy her forever. Amen. I want to notice just think real quick a couple of things by way of introduction the petition that was made about some water. Jesus said to her, give me to drink. I don't think he was being rude or crash or anything like that. Give me to drink why did Jesus want any water? I don't want to miss this, but the reason that he asked for this water, the Bible tells us in verse number 6 that uh, Jesus being wearied with his journey. Hey, listen, he's wearied after a long journey from Jerusalem. Don't forget that he'd been ministering in Judea. And I'll say this, ministry is hard work. Serving the Lord is not an easy task. And I'll say this, if it was easy, more people would be doing it. There's a lot of people that want the spotlight, but they don't want to minister. There's a lot of people that want to shine and get their name on a poster, but they don't want to minister. Real ministry is taxing. Real ministry is hard work. But watch this, it's even harder when nobody's listening. Uh, Jesus had been preaching in Judea he'd been healing people in Judea and yet his own received him not they were rejecting him they were turning him away and my friend spiritually I mean I know he's God I know he's God but he came as a hundred percent man uh, spiritually it was taxing on him and then when he leaves that ministry of people rejecting him he walks from Judah uh, and from Judea and he's walking to Galilee and now is in Samaria, uh, Samaria. Uh, he is not riding an airplane or a bus or a car he is physically walking he is spiritually drained he is physically drained he is weary from his journey he's tired and he's thirsty and he sits down on this well now I just say this by a note uh, just a little note here he's not weary he is not weary of the work of the ministry he's weary in the work of the ministry amen there is a great difference a carnality carnality becomes weary 
weary in the work or weary of the work. You get tired of always having to go. Tired of always having to serve. Tired of always having to do all this. That's carnality. But the spiritual man becomes weary in the work. Don't forget Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. But ye brethren be not weary in well doing. May I encourage the saint of God that you might be weary in the work. Listen, not be weary in the job of the ministry. In the job of the ministry of your family. Weary in the ministry at the church. Weary in the ministry of just trying to live a Christian life. May I say don't be weary in well doing. There is rest for your soul. There is rest. And may I say this, that's exactly what we see here about Jesus. Jesus takes a moment and rest. I was telling somebody this weekend, I appreciate Brother Stenet Blue, one of my great, great friends. I, I don't know why he befriended me like he did, but he did. And I remember on a couple occasions him looking over at me while I'm driving him down the road. And he'll say, Brother Will, he said, there's nothing spiritual about being tired. There's nothing spiritual about being tired. And I say amen to that. And, uh, and I, I hadn't figured all that out yet. And I'm still working on that. Uh, but then I remember another time I, I was talking about what was all going on. And he said sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just rest. Is just rest. And you know what? We find that in Jesus' life. There's many times the ministry is taxing. The work is hard. And we see even Jesus takes a moment and he sits down by the well. He's wearied. He's tired and he's thirsty you know what that else tells me about him that tells me about his humanity thank God thank God he is 100% God but he's 100% man and here in John chapter 4 we see him as man and as God in this text we find him as God when he gives the message that he gives and when he discerns the sinful past of this woman, he's God. But we see him as man sitting on a well, wearied from his journey. We find that in other places of the Bible. Like when he's in the bottom of the ship asleep, that shows his humanity. But then he wakes up and he steals the waters and the storm. That shows he's God. What about at Lazarus' tomb where he weeped for his friend that was dead? That shows his humanity. But then he, uh, he stands up and calls him up out of the grave and he raises Lazarus from the dead. That shows that he is God. May I mind you friend that we've got a high priest that is seated in the heavenlies that has been tempted has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities thank God we've got a God that knows what you're going through that knows the trials you face we've got a high priest that has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities he knows where you're at he comforts you in your troubles and there's nobody that can comfort you like Jesus comforts you Thank God for that. I had somebody talk to me about a opportunity to be able to talk to some people about a certain situation uh, this week and I looked at him and I said sir I said I'll be glad to do whatever you want me to do or try our best I said I know the Bible I know how to pray for people I said but I don't know what they're going through I don't know that situation I don't know how that works I've never been in their shoes I've never done their line of work or anything like that uh, but I'm glad I got a God that knows everything he knows all of our troubles Jesus knows all about our struggles thank God uh, that he is that kind of high priest. He's not just living in the backside of a temple somewhere disconnected from this world. I'm glad he walks to me and talks to me. I'm glad he's right there beside me in the darkest hours. I'm glad he's right there with me on the mountaintops. I'm glad this morning that our Savior knows all about our struggles. We see him as God. We see him as a human here. 
But then we see how she reacts to all this. She first says, verse 9, How is it that thou being a Jew hast drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Why are you talking to me? She says, first of all, you're a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. Racially, that's dangerous. You, you shouldn't be talking to me because racially we are separated. And then a man's not supposed to be talking to a woman in public. That's culturally unacceptable uh, for you to be doing that. And then the more she finds out about him, uh, she finds out this guy must be religious. And if you just knew my past, you wouldn't be talking to me. Uh, she finds out that he might even be a prophet. Why in the world would a prophet be talking to somebody like me? I think about that even uh, amazes me more. That Jesus goes to this woman and I think about myself. Uh, how is it? that you would love somebody like me? How is it that the God of heaven would love me like he did to come to this world and die for my sin? How is it that he'd save my soul from hell? And then how is it that he'd have fellowship with me? How is it that thou, being God, would talk to me, being a worthless, wicked man? She's re her reaction, she had good reason. I've talked so much about the Samaritan religion and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to hash all that. But she realized that he, she, uh, that she wasn't worthy to have this man talking to her. And friend, we're not worthy to have God talking to us. And so we find this woman where she's at. And I'll say this before we go on. That, that this, where we see Jesus crossing racial boundaries and, and gender boundaries and, and uh, uh, religious boundaries and righteousness boundaries. We see that Jesus Christ is setting the principle that, that the, the gospel is for the entire world. Amen. The gospel is for every creature. Amen. And we must be about the business of getting the gospel to every creature. Every, every man, woman, boy, and girl ought to hear the gospel. And we must be up about that business. But here's what got my attention. Last week we dealt with the worship in this text. The worship in verses 22 through 24. But tonight, this morning, real quickly, I want to preach on the water in this text. The living water in this text she brought a water pot that water pot was a, for physical uh, purposes it was be she would carry that water back and that would be drinking water it would be washing water it would be cooking water that water pot would have been something she would have carried back to use in her life but again uh, that water pot represents so much more it's amazing that when she gets saved she leaves the water pot behind Amen. She leaves all of her past life behind. She leaves her emptiness behind. She leaves all that false religion behind. She leaves all that wickedness behind. She leaves all that behind. But there's something, because there was something that Jesus offers her that replaced that water pot. Notice what he says in verse 10. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith of thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee, notice here, living water. Well, she knew a little bit about dead water. <laughs> she knew about dehydrating water. Huh? She knew about the waters that had taken her life. She didn't know anything about this living water. Notice what she says. Thou hast nothing to draw, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. She, watch this. She said, you ain't got nothing to draw with. This, water's, this well's deep. But I've got water out of here before. It don't do nothing for you. Oh, she says, I've gotten the water out of this well before. It's significant to our people and all that kind of stuff. But this water isn't living water. 
And this water, I'm going to have to come back tomorrow and get some more. This water, I'm going to take a drink of it and I'm going to need another drink later on during the day. This water, where are you getting this living water from? I want to talk about this living water. I'll say this, we're baptizing today. He ain't talking about baptismal water. Say amen. Amen. Baptism has never and it will never save anybody. Amen. And baptism won't seal your salvation. Amen. Baptism is an outward showing of what God has already done in your heart. Uh, baptism is just an outward profession of faith. Hey, this is what God's done for me. He's buried my old life and he's raised me to walk in the newness of life in him. Hey, it's an outward showing. Uh, it is not essential to salvation. So don't you get it twisted. He is not talking about baptismal waters this morning. Amen. And if you're trusting in baptism this morning, you ought to get born again. Amen. Uh, amen. You are going to to hell. You could go to every baptistry, every creek, every river, every uh, pool, swimming pool, every pond, every lake, every ocean waters and be baptized by the greatest preacher of all time. Raise John the Baptist from the dead and be baptized by him and you'll bust hell wide open being as wet uh, as you can be. But my friend, you get born again by the good grace of God. You get this living water on the inside of you and he'll change your life and he'll change your eternal destiny. Amen. So the portrayal in this what was he talking about? He said this. He's wanting to use this water to get to right where she's at. I'll tell you this. There's another picture here. And I ain't got time to preach all. There's a picture of how we ought to reach people with the gospel. Start out where they're at. Give me a drink. But then let's, let's take this thing spiritual. And he takes it spiritual. He wants to talk to her about her salvation. And here he uses the word of God. He says this. He uses the water to talk about the gift of God. Notice he says, if thou knewest the gift of God. I want to remind you this morning, salvation is a gift. It's a gift. Amen. It is a gift here. So many places in the word of God, it is a gift. But in this particular text, from verses four, 6 through verses 15, the word give, given, gave, gift shows up eight different times. The emphasis here is, it's a gift. You know what this woman had done? I believe this woman had tried to buy her salvation. I believe she tried to barter her salvation. I believe she tried to become good enough for salvation. I believe she tried all the things of this world. And he said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew that this thing ain't what you can buy, it's not what you can barter, it's not just what you can become, it's not just what you can do, it is not in you, it is the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God, well, notice what he says in verse 10, the gift of God. Look what he says in verse 13. Answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall, look at this, give him, shall never thirst again, but the water that I shall give him. Hey, this is a gift. May I remind you what Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Of the wages of our sin. The only thing you can earn in this life is death by, because of our sin. But there's a gift that God wants to give every man, woman, boy, and girl. And it's the gift of God. And that gift is the gift of eternal life. That is the gift of eternal salvation. And He is wanting to give that to you freely this morning it's a gift salvation's a gift you can't earn your salvation and you can't earn to keep your salvation it's a gift a gift a free gift the bible says in romans chapter 3 and verse 24 being justified freely being justified freely by his grace friend it is a gift and listen who who pays for the gift it is not the receiver that pays for the gift it is the giver that pays for the gift well who's the giver of this gift the gift of God. 
That's what it says, isn't it? He's the giver of this gift. Amen. Look at verse 14. He says, I shall give him. I shall give him. He is the giver of this gift. He makes it clear. Woman, you can't get this from any other man. You can't get this from any religion. You can't even get this from yourself. It is a gift of God. Thank God. If I say by grace through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. God is the giver of the gift of salvation. Hey, listen, you can't ask anyone else to save you. There is no other Savior. Christ is the only way to heaven. He's the truth, the way, and the land. And my Bible says, the Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved. He is the only way of salvation this morning. He's the giver of the gift. We see the gift of salvation, the giver of salvation, but I see this, the getting of salvation. Look what he says in verse 10 again. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith in thee, give thee the drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee. If thou knewest, he said, if you knew there was salvation, if you knew where the salvation comes from, you know what? There's responsibility here. Somebody should have told her the gospel. If thou knew it, I, I got to go back to this. I can imagine the disciples probably passed her on her way out of that well. I mean, they're on their way to the city that she's on her way out of. They probably passed her. They didn't say nothing about salvation to her. I've said it before. I wonder what the disciples were doing in Samaria. They, they, when they were in Samaritan, uh, Samaria buying meats, uh, as far as we know, they didn't tell nobody about Jesus. Nobody followed them out to hear, hear about him anyway. And as soon as the woman started telling her, tell them about it. They all fought him to come find this man who she's calling the Christ. She, she, if you'd have known, hey, there's a responsibility to every one of us in this room to get the gospel out. You say, well, well I told my young people in Bible class the other day, I, I told them that, that your number one responsibility as a Christian, y'all ready for this? The will of God for your life as a Christian is to get the gospel out. Now, you may not be fulfilling that responsibility, but that's what you're supposed to be doing. Amen? Some way. Some fashion, we are supposed to be, hey, hey, we're supposed to be like those beggars that found bread and they went and told everybody else, hey, we're supposed to tell them where they can find bread at. Tell them how precious Jesus is. The getting of salvation is that we've got to go proclaim the good news of the gospel. How, how shall they believe in, them, in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, we've got too many, too many people that, that just claim... You know, it's amazing. You find these people say, well, well I'm just going to live my life in front of them. And, see, and, and then they'll see Christ in me. And listen, should you live your life? Yes. Should you live for Christ? Yes. But the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Your lips automatic your life and your life automatic your lips. Amen. You've got to tell people the gospel. We have a responsibility to tell people, if thou knewest, but watch this, thou wouldest have asked. That's the responsibility of the sinner, the human responsibility of the lost in receiving salvation. God ain't making nobody be saved. And God ain't making nobody be lost either. Amen. You believe that's because you read a book, not your Bible, or you just listen to somebody else teach that wasn't teaching the Bible. Amen. God ain't making nobody get saved. He ain't making nobody get lost. If you're lost this morning, it's your fault. Amen. Because Christ Jesus died for the world. 
And whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, listen, Christ Jesus died and he's offered salvation to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Hey, and my friend, if you're lost, it ain't because you're predestined. And it ain't because God ain't dealt with you. Hey, some of you in here, God's dealt with you over and over and over again. And you've rejected and you pushed him away. And you said, I'll do my own thing. I'll wait till I'm older. I'll wait till this or I'll wait till that. And my friend, you are lost without God. And you're not promised the next second. And you're not promised the next day and my friend Christ may come back today before you ever get to Croatia he may come back today before you ever walk to lunch he may come back today before you go about your business the rest of this day he may come back now and you've rejected him you've rejected him the gospel is for you this morning you've got a responsibility you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is he drawing I believe he is you so say, why do you believe? Because this Bible says, the Bible said in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, come. You know what I believe? The Spirit's doing his part. I don't think the bride's doing her part like she ought to. Huh? I believe the Spirit of God's saying, come. You wonder how dark this world is. It's not because the Spirit's withdrew himself. It's because people have rejected him. Amen. Talked to somebody the other day about all these young people getting raised in church and then heading out, getting raised in church and head out. And it was, it was, I talked to a pastor about this, about it, and he said, I don't know what we're going to do. And I talked to a youth pastor about what we're going to do. I said, I'll tell you what, friend, I don't know what we're going to do, but it's not a matter of what we can do. It's a matter of the heart getting right, amen. Hey, listen, when you get out, you leave the things of God, it is a matter of your heart. It is your heart not right with God. The reason I don't do right is because my heart's not right. You don't make me not do right and you don't make me do right. Amen. My wife don't make me do right and she don't make me not do right. My children don't make me do right, don't make me not do right. It is my heart. And if my heart is in tune with God and my heart is right with God, I'll love Him and I'll thank Him and I'll live a life that says I love you and I'll live a life that says I thank you. I'll live my life for Him, pleasing Him if I love Him like I ought to, if my heart's right. Amen. Thank God. I'm talking about the getting of salvation. It's a responsibility you have to believe the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It is the gift. You'd ask for it. He said, I'd give it to you if you just ask for it. If you just believe for it. Listen, here's the thing. The, 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 and I'm going to say this. The emphasis here is not on her physically asking. It's her believing on him to ask him. You say, I don't know about that. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Y'all know that part? Calling upon? But watch this. We can't disconnect that from the other verses. And how shall they believe on him? He doesn't say, how shall they call on him in whom they've not heard? How shall they believe on him? He said, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe on them in whom he's not heard? You know why you'll call on the Lord for salvation? Because you believe on him to give it to you. Amen. <laughs> Hey, listen, my friends, the believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's how a man's born again. What, what Paul told, what Paul and Silas told that Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 is still true to they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The gift of salvation, the giver of salvation, the getting of salvation. When I say this, the gain of salvation. It's living water. <laughs> he, would, he would have given thee living water. Listen, salvation gives life. He told Nicodemus in the, in the chapter, previous chapter, you must be born again. You don't need a new leaf, you need a new life. You, you, don't just need to, you just don't need to be cleaned up, you need to be started over. 
Amen. A life. And salvation is the only thing that will give you life. Satan will tell you, though, that salvation is a killjoy. Satan will have you believe that, that, salva- that sal- you get saved now, you'll have, to, you'll, have, you'll have no life, you'll have no joy. Satan says, oh, oh, no, there's no gain in salvation. There's no, and I'll tell you what, where the gain is is living for the world. And the gain is living for yourself. The gain is doing what you want to do. No, no, the word of God says the gain is the gospel. The living waters comes from the gospel. Satan will tell you that it's not worth it. Can I remind you, Satan's a liar and the father of it. Hey, salvation is what gives you life. And I'll tell you what, it gives you the best life you can possibly have. Amen. There's nothing I'd rather do than to serve the Lord. There's nothing I'd rather do than live for the Lord. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm having the best time I've ever had in my life living for Jesus. I've got peace and joy and all the love of God shed abroad, spread abroad in my heart. Hey, listen, this is the best life living for Jesus. There's gain. I'm going to tell you what Satan will give you. The world will give you. Your flesh will give you is death. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Life! And that don't start the day you die. It starts the day you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The day you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you're dead in trespasses and sin. You're a walking dead man. All these zombie movies, all they're doing is portraying what, some, what lost people are. Amen? Bunch of zombies walking around, they're dead men. But, but thank God he hath quickened us. Amen. Thank God when the Spirit of God comes by and the Word of God comes by and you're born again by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, he quickens you, he makes you alive in Christ. He gives you a new life in Christ. The gain of salvation. I'll tell you this and I'm done. The guarantee of salvation. Look what he says in verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Shall never thirst. Not, and notice there was no, the only condition here was drinking of his water. The only condition here was believing on him. The only condition here was receiving that living water. And he said this, you shall never thirst. you don't have to know Greek, know your Bible, okay? I don't, I, I don't talk about that all the time, but watch this. The, the, the phrase there is a double negative. Y'all know about that, don't you? Double negative, we use them all the time. It's really what it does, it cancels out stuff. But watch this, in, in Greek though, a double negative is an absolute thing. So like in English, because we got a weird language, it cancels out what you're saying. But, but in, in Greek, it, it solidifies what you're saying. It, it, it makes an absolute, watch it, here's what he's saying. He says, he's saying, when you drink this water, it shall never, no, never, no, never, 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 ever, ever, ever thirst again. That's what he's saying. He's saying this, as long as ever is, you'll never thirst again. As long as ever is. Hey, what he's saying is that when a person, when a person is born again, he can never be lost again. Thank God for the eternal security of the believer. The Bible said for the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You know how long eternal is? Forever. Amen. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. He says in hope of eternal life. 
God, which cannot lie, had promised us. You know what? If God was to give us eternal life and then take it away from us, we'd call him an Indian giver. But you know what he'd really be? A liar. Hello? If I come give you something, so this is yours. It's eternal. It's forever. You can have it. Believe on me and you can have it. Oh, now you ain't doing good. I'm going to take it back. Oh, I don't like the way you're acting. I'm going to take it back. That makes God a liar. But God said himself, in hope of eternal life, God, which cannot lie, had promised us before the foundation of the world. He can't lie about this thing of eternal life. It's a guarantee. And listen, it's, it's repeated again in chapter 10 and verse 28, uh, John chapter 10 and verse 28, when he said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. They shall never. It's a double negative. But then verse 14 says this, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here it is, the guarantee of salvation. Brother Tim, come. Brother Tom, get ready to sing a song. Here's what she says in verse number 15, and I'm done. Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. And I know in the story there's a little bit more to it. She's still not totally sure about what all's going on. But you know what? That's where I was when I got saved. I was nine, eight or nine years old that summer. I didn't know what soteriology was. I didn't know what, I didn't know what eschatology was. I didn't know where we were supposed to worship. I didn't know how we were supposed to worship. I just knew I was lost. I just knew I was thirsty. And I knew that everything else was not filling that void. I knew, as, as, as that young of a child, I knew that e I watched other people and I saw that they were thirsty and driving and they were, but watch this, I saw for a year and a half I was under conviction. And you don't have to be under conviction that long. I wish I had somebody just tell me how to be saved in a year and a half and I got saved a lot sooner, I believe. I was under conviction for a year and a half and that year and a half was the most dry, thirsty time of my life. I was so scared. I lived in fear. I lived in, I mean, I just, I, I was dehydrated. <laughs> no life. Uh, I was just so satisfied. I, I mean, listen, I'd, I'd answer all the Sunday school questions. I, I tried to be a good boy. I tried not to get in trouble in school, but I was just dissatisfied. I was disappointed in myself, but all oh, that night, that night, I didn't understand everything. I didn't know the difference in a Jew and a Samaritan. I didn't know what a Jew and a Gentile was. I didn't know what the virgin birth meant. I didn't know what a virgin was. I didn't know about all that. Other. I didn't know about justification and redemption. I just knew I was lost and I needed to be saved. And that day I said, oh God, give me a drink that I might not have a thirst again. Oh God, save me. That I, oh God, that I don't have to go to hell. Oh, change my life. Save me from the sin of it. Oh, give me a drink of this water. You ain't got to understand everything to ask him for a drink. <laughs> you ain't got to know all of their ins and outs of salvation to believe on him for salvation. Here's what you've got to know. That you're lost without God. You're a sinner. You can't save yourself. Your religion can't save you. Your family heritage can't save you. Your money can't save you. All the good deeds you do can't save you. You've got to understand you're a sinner. You cannot save yourself. And that Jesus Christ 
is the only way of salvation. Jesus and Jesus alone. Here's what you got to do. You got to believe on him. You got to put your faith in him. Everybody's got faith in this room. You may be sitting there saying, well, I'm an agnostic. I'm, a, I'm an atheist. No, you're not. Here's why I believe you're not. Because God's true and every man's a liar. And God said, he gave every man a measure of faith. That's what God said. God said that he is lighteth every man. It means he's given every man some type of light and some type of faith. And so not only am I, first of all, going to take the word of God over the word of you. Second of all, you're a liar because y'all all had faith when he came and sat down today. You exercise in faith right now. When you walked in them doors, not one of you have checked the bolts and screws and seen that them seats was put together good. You don't even know where they was put together at. You don't know the person who put them together. You don't know the person, the assembly line. You don't know anything about them seats, but yet you had faith in them seats this morning. You got faith. What a sad reality is there's people that will die and go to hell believing in a chair, not believing in Christ. You're going to die and go to hell believing in a church pew, but not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. You got faith, friend. Where are you putting your faith at? Where are you placing your faith? Here's what you need to do. You need to abandon yourself on the lovely Lord Jesus. You need to just cast yourself on Him. Lord, I don't understand it all, but I need a drink. I'm thirsty. My water pot's empty. And every time I go fill it up with the world, it's just emptier and emptier. Every time I go put the world in it, it's just drier and drier. I'm more thirsty than I've ever been. I'm thirsty, God. Give me a drink that I'll never thirst again. She said, I don't want to ever have to come back here and draw again. Friend, that's what salvation will do for you. It'll make you'll never want to go back to the world and draw again. How about it this morning? How about it this morning? There's a gift of living water. There's the giver of living water. He's offering it to you. But you've got to get it. He's offering it to the world. He's offering it to you this morning. Will you receive it though? Let's all stand heads bowed and eyes closed. Christians praying all over the building. Jesus is the living water. He's offering you salvation this morning. He's offering you salvation this morning. Will you receive it? Will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation this morning? Stop putting your trust in anything or anyone else but your faith in Him. The Bible talks about Acts chapter 21, I believe it is. It says, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you turn from yourself? Turn from your sin and turn to the lovely Lord Jesus this morning. Turn to Him in salvation. Turn to Him in faith this morning.